to the Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics, and Public Policy at the Harvard Kennedy School. For more on events, news, and research, visit us at shorensteincenter.org. Okay, welcome. I'm Alex Jones. I'm director of the Shorenstein Center on Media, Politics, and Policy. Uh, we're very glad to have you with us today, and I'm especially pleased to have uh, Daphne Linzer here. She's, a, she's sort of a, a, I wouldn't say exactly a member of the family, but she's, you know, close to it. And we're really pleased to have you here. She is a uh, very, uh, she's a superb journalist who has, while well, look who's here. <laughs> And this is her godmother, uh, Marilee Schwartz from the Washington Post. <laughs> Form, former, oh former, former fellow at the Shorenstein Center. Um, Daphna is, has worked in a number of areas, but her current position right now, since last year, is managing editor of MSNBC.com. Um, that is the you know, I don't know whether she would agree with this, but it's sort of the, 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 the heavy-duty journalistic uh, uh, workhorse of MSNBC. It's where the reporting is done. And uh, MSC, MSNBC.com, you know, does a lot of reporting, and they go on the cable channel to promote it, but the real, the real sort of uh, um, work engine, at least this is my sense, mm -hmm. of MSNBC is MSNBC.com. In other words, it's what Daphna does. She has chosen as her topic today something that is practically heresy, which is the idea of associating the word patience with journalism, and especially <laughs> journalism as she puts it on real time and not on Twitter time. Twitter time is instantaneous, and it is the coin of the realm right now in journalism without any question. So exactly how you're able to survive on, not on Twitter time at msnbc.com is something I'm going to be very curious to hear about. Welcome. We're very glad to have you, Daphne. Thank you, Alex. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I, I'm, I get to be in lots of good rooms, big and small, and this one, I think this is the only room I've ever been in with, with mentors and friends and sources. You know who you are. <laughs> and family. So this is really a great treat. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, yeah, so the topic I chose, I want to talk a little bit about um, what's happening at MSNBC, um, and I want to talk uh, about patience. Alex and I were talking about um, putting this together very close to the Goldsmith uh, announcement tomorrow here, and um, the just the incredible sort of weight and importance of uh, the kind of journalism that the Goldsmith Prize always um, always likes to honor, both in the finalists and the winners. And uh, those are a series that take a long time uh, that I think have just embedded themselves into our thought process and the way we think about great journalism and have huge impact. And I really do believe that those are the kinds of projects uh, that matter and with patience that we, that we care deeply about and we see the impact over time. So that, that was sort of what brought me here. And that's actually what we're trying to do at MSNBC. I think people associate uh, cable news with just kind of a cycle that doesn't last very long, and then you go into the next story and everything else vanishes. But I, MSNBC, I, I have found, as somebody who came from kind of institutional journalism, I was at the AP for 10 years, I was at the Washington Post, and, and then went to uh, do long-form investigative projects at ProPublica. Um, which, which is a startup, but, but still quite a sort of institutional <coughs> feeling and flavor to the work that they do there. Um, so for me, coming to a place like MSNBC, um, I was worried, was this going to be a place where, where um, stories would kind of come and go and disappear? And in, in fact, I, I have found just the opposite, that it's actually a place that is very committed to staying on stories that they, they, they believe in, stories that matter. And I think for us on the website, you know, we we kind of choose our topics, and I think we feel very committed to them. Um, we probably do more on voting rights than any of our competitors. We probably do more on civil rights, on gay rights. We probably do more um, on immigration and immigration reform than any of our 
competitors, uh, both in print and online and uh, in broadcast, uh, because I think they just mean so much to all of us and to our audience and to our readers. And so that is kind of where we are coming from and why I think uh, patience always uh, pays in the end because uh, I think our readers frankly reward us for the fact that we're interested in staying on uh, topics like this for so long. And so that's why I chose that topic, <laughs> which I thought would be a good one. Well, go ahead, please. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about how, um, how digital started because I think uh, people have had an, a sense of MSNBC as having a, a website and a web presence for a very long time. And in some ways that's true, and in some ways it's, it's actually brand new. Um, so I wanted to just kind of give you a little bit of a feel for, uh, for MSNBC and how it kind of got into the digital world. Um, some of you know, I'm sure many of you know, that the MS in MSNBC once stood for Microsoft. Uh, and the whole idea of MSNBC was actually NBC News meets the internet <laughs> in in 1994, uh, and that and and that was the creation both of a cable company and of a shared website between uh, MSNBC and NBC. It was one one place. It was MSNBC.com, and it was one kind of giant news portal that was mostly fueled uh, by MS, but um, targeting an, an NBC audience. Uh, two years ago, the um, Comcast bought. Uh, NBC Universal, and they embarked on a new strategy. Uh, MS had really kind of come into its own, um, already had a great um, identity, was clearly not just a place for politics, but uh, a place for progressives. Um, and uh, they decided, let's have two new websites. One for MSNBC that would really reflect its values and uh, the interests of uh, MSNBC and its audience. And a news site for NBC News, which would be kind of a large uh, news site all day long uh, that would draw in readers to a network that had three major shows, which you all know, which is Nightly and the Today Show and Meet the Press on Sundays. Uh, so that was a strategy, and um, MSNBC built its own site, which we launched at the end of October. Um, and it's beautiful and lovely, and I urge all of you to go on it all the time. Um, and. I think what's so interesting about the design, too, in the site is that it's, in some way, Alex and I were talking about sort of multi-platform journalism, and this is a site that is sort of medium agnostic. It's a place where you could um, watch stories that are um, created by the broadcast side, or you could read stories that are created by our team of reporters, original, all original <coughs> reporting. We don't do aggregation or blogging. Um, or you could um, interact in a in a in a community in a place where um, community organizing is welcome, uh, where there's a giant built-in social network and the and a place sort of a first place really for uh, progressives to organize online around issues um, that MSNBC feels they they really own. Um, so that's sort of the the idea of the site. And for us, I think as for me as as somebody who's a managing editor and who's choosing stories every day, um, I like to choose from the broadcast side and also from our reporters. If I think you know, if Rachel Maddow has is is knocking out knocking it out of the park on uh, you know on environmental issues in North Carolina, you know that could be our lead story for all of MSNBC. Um, you know, and same if there's a great newsmaker interview when, when Andrea Mitchell sits down with John Kerry, you know, that's a big story for us, you know, just like it would be, you know, A1 at the, at the Washington Post or the New York Times. And that's kind of how we sort of look at our stories and frame them around all different kinds of mediums. How would you, I'm going to have a, just a few questions first and then we'll open it up. <clears throat> how is MSNBC.com different? From CNN.com. So it's it's different. I'll, I'll tell you, it's different from I would say all of our competitors, from CNN, from from Fox, but also from the networks. In that um, CNN.com, uh, until now, although they are also going through kind of a, a rethink and a redesign, but uh, and also especially I would say FoxNews.com are sort of standalone news sites, slightly divorced from actually the from their broadcast. Uh, identity. They're you know huge operations, gigantic portals 
especially CNN, is, very, is much more similar to Yahoo News mm -hmm. than it is to CNN. It's, it's a large operation with many verticals, lots of different topics. Um, you can scroll through and read it and use it as a, as a regular site as you would, again, Yahoo or, or any other major news site. That's the strategy of NBC News also. That's sort of where they're taking their website and Fox as well. There's not that much um, Fox identity at, 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 at Fox's website. Um, and the video, again, is scattered, but it's not really sort of designed to pull in the sense of the broadcast um, on the website, and ours is. Ours is a complete integration of broadcast and digital. So I think that's, that's, that's the big difference. When you come to MSNBC.com, you know exactly where you are. When you have, <coughs> when you talk about living on real time and not Twitter time, how does that actually work in a news environment in which Twitter and the speed of Twitter and the ability of Twitter to sort of be ahead of, you know, everybody, ahead of the, the cable channel news's operations and so forth. How can you how can you not live on Twitter time if you're in the news business online? So I use Twitter every day. I love Twitter and I love and and I love Twitter time, but it's not my only time. And and I just don't think it's it's all of journalism, and I don't think it's what news is really all about. Um, I think, um, for me personally, Twitter is is a wonderful resource, and I hope it is for anyone who is using it. It's a great journalistic tool. I read more because of Twitter um, than I have ever read before. I see more interesting stories. Um, I, I I really use it as almost like a reader's guide uh, to great great information, and it's very helpful. That said. I think um, Twitter has almost taken away the idea of the quick hit uh, scoop. There almost isn't, not only is there not uh, a news scoop anymore, but there's almost not um, a, th a thinking, a think scoop anymore. Uh, a conceptual, I think so. I think, you know, if when you're just on Twitter, I think so. I think when you read a, a big, a big piece, I think it's a different, a different uh, perspective. But, but I, I, I really do feel that way. I think. Um, you know, any kind of breaking news that happens, everybody has it, right? I've, Twitter doesn't change that. Um, I was trying to recruit uh, a writer to write about uh, to write about gender issues, to write about uh, women in politics um, and the politics of gender. And I was reading so many um, the work of so many possible candidates, and a lot of them had grown up. Um, only in um, digital sites, had only, um, and, and, and frankly had, had stopped being reporters and were mostly just riffing. Um, and they would have an idea that would last only a few minutes on Twitter and then everybody had that idea. And then everybody would riff a little bit more on the same idea and I, I found that work became quickly quite derivative um, and not as interesting. Can you give um, an example of any of those stories? Um, on women in politics? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't want to I don't want to sort of say talk about somebody personally, but I um, I did feel like there were just too many quick pieces where everyone wanted to write about um, a comment that a politician would make about a woman candidate, or everyone wanted to just sort of riff off the same moment, mm -hmm. um, and nobody was really kind of reporting out and taking real looks at the issues in kind of a holistic way that I thought would make a difference. And I do, I do think that that's, that is reporting not in Twitter time. And I do think that that's where patience comes in. And getting um, a lot of those younger reporters out to do um, what I think is sort of a classically trained journalism, it doesn't matter if it appears in digital format or in broadcast or in the newspaper, but I do think that is where you're going to get, you know, a different kind of quality, and you're going to be able to make a bigger statement than you would uh, off these little tiny quick hits all the time. Are these young people resistant to that? I think they're. They, I have to tell you, the, the the reporters that I work with seem grateful and thrilled and intoxicated with the possibility of doing quality work and getting a chance to go out and report and write bigger stories and work with editors who are experienced. Um, I think they do very well. I think 
the reporters who don't do that, who are also doing kind of just Twitter time reporting, I think they probably get a lot out of it also and are having a different experience. But I don't think for our readers, uh, for people who um, our site was built to lure, which are people who are interested again in going much deeper into subject areas that they care about, um, I just don't think that that would work for them. That's not what they're what they're looking for, and that's not what we're looking for. This is not <laughs> directly on your subject, but I'd really like to get your perspective on it. We had some uh, people in not long ago <clears throat> to talk about women in the workplace and the perception that there is a uh, a real gap in in compensation, in promotion, in representation <coughs> on boards, and things like that. And at the same time, there is a huge kind of complacency among young women about these kinds of issues. You know, you're in a position to be one of the people who is looked to for leadership, not only in journalism, but as a woman. Mm -hmm. How do you sort of, what's your take on that premise anyway? That's so interesting. We were just talking a little bit about this before I came in. So. One, one thing that I, I, I'm going to start off by saying, which is that um, one thing that really surprised me, I have to say, having come from, again, about, you know, been, I, I spent 10 years at the Associated Press, um, I spent five years at the Washington Post, and then went to ProPublica. And so I spent what I think of as like 20 years in, 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 traditional, in traditional journalism, and going into... NBC into an institution uh, like the National Broadcasting Corporation. This was my very first experience after 20 years uh, being in a news environment uh, filled with incredibly dynamic women who are running the table. And that was a totally different experience for me. I actually didn't even expect, I didn't expect it, it hadn't occurred to me that there was such uh, such an environment, and there really is there, and I, I feel I feel a difference and an impact, um, and and I, I really like it. I'm impressed by the fact that so many um, interesting, dynamic women have been promoted uh, in that field, and it's also quite exhilarating, I have to say, to find yourself after so many years uh, sitting with people who have also had extremely interesting careers in news gathering but grew up in control rooms instead of newsrooms. Um, and, you know, they're, they're fascinating people, and it's a fascinating environment. Um, and I, so I, I get a lot out of that personally. Um, I would think, you know, I'm trying to think about sort of some of the younger people that, um, that I've hired. Um, and I, I don't know if it's that they're drawn to MSNBC, this particular crowd, but I would have to say that all of the young women um, who work who work at MSNBC on the digital side are they all seem like Sheryl Sandberg babies I mean they are all <laughs> they are all yes they are all they are all uh, they are all leaning um, all of them and uh, I, I, I actually find that really interesting they're also um, very different than I think I was um, at, in my 20s I think that they are they have uh, expectations. They have all read that book. They are hard, tough negotiators on their <laughs> salaries, um, and I think for you know, I think for me, I, you know, I actually was on a a, a a Sheryl Sandberg panel in New York, and um, or about it was a panel about the book, and um, one of the things that I talked about, there was a group of there was a couple lawyer women lawyers on the panel who. Uh, were senior partners at law firms sort of bemoaning how in their industries they did not have enough support. And, you know, in, in my office, we, I mean, in NBC, it, I, I, there's, a, there's a, a room to nurse on every floor. I mean, there's, you could go and I just feel like there are so many um, great things that are set up for young women and young mothers and young parents to succeed. Do the that women I think who work helpful. there bring their children, their babies to work to work? They don't, but um, <clears throat> we're extremely flexible when they want or need to work from home. Um, and uh, 
there's there's a, a daycare if you do need backup to mm -hmm. bring a child to the building um, for for dads and moms and I would say on my staff that the dads probably use it as much as the moms because I think all of them uh, are in two two uh, working parent families and you know, double income households and they all use those resources um, all the time this so is this I, is not a trick question but I'm I, but I'm curious is this an NBC culture or is this a Comcast culture? I'm the wrong person to ask probably because I haven't been there that long. Um, I do know that people at NBC tell me that things have changed uh, greatly since the Comcast purchase and that there are many, many, many more resources. I just, I'm not an objective mm -hmm. observer because I haven't been there. So I don't want to. Let me open this to, <coughs> let me open this to students first. If you're a student at, uh, at, at the Kennedy School or at Harvard or period, you're uh, welcome to ask a question first if you want. Well, in that case, I will open it to the floor. <laughs> Marilee, let me, let, me let me just ask you. I mean, you, you're, the Washington Post is your place. Does this sound surprising to you to hear this about NBC? in a lot of ways um, and the digital emphasis and younger hires change things. However, the level of women in control of large planning and issues has pretty much stabilized there, if not shrunk some mm -hmm. since That's I right. was there, since you were there. Yeah, I'm sure on the gender thing, it does sound different. I mean, when Catherine Raymond became publisher, she, you know, she put in places for women to nurse and pump, but that was because she was a mother, you know. But I, it does. It's a bit. That's a very different environment than at the Post. And at the Post, I don't think. I think, in fact, since I was there, there's maybe less of an effort for quality of life issues. Mm -hmm. Really? Because, well, because it's such a young. It's young, it's 24-7, it's, I think it's just different. I do think it's different. Yeah. Daphne, how, um, I'm very interested to hear, I'm, I haven't seen the site, which I, I regret, but I'm very interested to hear that the site is explicit, but, but I will now, <laughs> um, that it is explicitly embraced the kind of progressive politics mm -hmm. of, of the network. Um, therefore, I would love to know, as well as you can describe it, sure. uh, who your audience is, who you're getting, and how would you compare that with something like Huffington Post, which I think of as one of the first sites mm -hmm. that said, let's all get together and be lefties. Yeah. So can you, you, it's a double question. Yeah, I feel like, um, so I, the Huffington Post kind of came, sort of came online with the Obama administration, basically, kind of in 2008, and I think in many ways it did a, did a very good job early on of kind of carving out that progressive space online. Um, you know, they've since grown, you know, they're the ninth largest site in the country. Um, and uh, while we certainly are happy to compete with Huffington Post politics, we'll never, never be uh, the way that site is if that site continues on. We're, we're, we're just not a place with celebrity news and sports. We will never have the kind of traffic that can only come uh, basically with, with doing entertainment and celebrity and kind of the salacious, um, you know, tabloidy um, entertainment. Um, so, we, so, uh, so we don't have that. Um, and so we, you know, we're not competing with them in that way. Um, I would say the one thing about the kinds of stories that we're trying to do online which I think is a little bit different from um, the tone of, uh, of the broadcast side, is that for us, a lot of our stories are really about the target, what we choose to cover. Um, I think our stories um, are outstanding and could run anywhere. Um, they're not a particularly left story. There's, it's not a story that's um, saturated with kind of opinion um, it's not something that I think would necessarily run in think progress, but um, but the topics are similar in that you know we really care about um, 
you know, tracking, um, you know, tracking the, the march of, um, of uh, same-sex marriage rights from state to state and also tracking the challenges. Um, you know, I, I think for us, we see um, a subject like that right now in a, in a midterm election year as, as, as ground zero in a fight. Um, you know, we see, you know, what happened, you know, we don't just do kind of a one-off on, uh, you know, a federal judge in Kentucky passed same-sex marriage today without doing a story about how, uh, you know, there's an attempt, you know, in the Kentucky State House to introduce uh, a religious freedom uh, bill to, to block rights for, um, for gays and lesbians in Kentucky. We see it as all, one, as part of one big story. Um, so for us, I think, um, that is sort of where we are in terms of a conversation and the subjects that we want to cover. Um, and I think, I think Huffington Post, you know, for, for does a lot of more kind of day-to-day -day politics stuff that we're doing more kind of on air. So, you know, we don't have a White House correspondent. Um, they have a whole White House bureau. Um, but we do a lot of White House coverage on air, and we use that as part of, um, as part of what we offer to our audience. Um, I have a really good sense of who our audience is. Um, you know, there are about five million people who watch MSNBC every night. Um, you know, in higher periods, you know, that number doubles. You know, in higher political periods, like let's say, you know, for in an election year, around inauguration, midterms, um, that number goes up. But there. Are you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of people who um, who want to read great stories on all subjects. They would read it in the New York Times. They would read it at Huffington Post. They would read it at Salon or Slate or or Mother Jones or the Wall Street Journal or MSNBC. And um, that audience is the audience that we um, want to grow as part of our audience at MSNBC. And how much of that audience goes to the site, <coughs> to the homepage, and how much of it comes in from the side? Um, oh, that's a good question about to sort of traffic. Mm -hmm. um, so um, our largest uh, daily traffic all comes in directly to our homepage. Um, that's our largest, and our site is is very homepage heavy. Um, you know, a lot of new uh, digital sites. You know, BuzzFeed, for example, um, paid no attention to their homepage for a long time. They just um, conceptually, um, when Ben Smith came on, just felt like this was all about driving traffic to specific stories. Um, through social networks, and that a homepage was no longer necessary. Um, but for us, sort of philosophically, a homepage is very important. Um, it's it's the channel. Um, you know, we want people to come in and be able to watch video. We have um, we've we've set up our design um, almost almost right out of out of a, a page one meeting um, at at a newspaper. You know, and it, you know the New York Times has a a website actually. Their homepage is not that different, frankly, from the Huffington Post. It's sort of there's 60 pieces of content on that homepage. Um, some of them move more frequently than others. Sometimes there's you know multiple duplications throughout the homepage. Um, we did ours in a very we have a real hierarchy to ours. There are 10 stories and that's it. Um, those stories change throughout the day, but there are only 10. And for us, that sense is you know that even in a place like the New York Times, they are still. Um, driving their whole day towards making choices, towards choosing five or six stories that are going to be on the homepage. It's the same at NBC News. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there's a broadcast every night that's 22 minutes, and you are making choices. And uh, we want to make choices, too, um, that reflect who we are. And so um, it's, act it's actually been remarkably successful. And much of our traffic comes in, uh, almost uh, more than half of it, uh, directly through the homepage, and then everything else is side traffic, um, almost exclusively driven by Facebook is 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 always number one, um, but certainly by Twitter and uh, and lots of other um, social networks. Yes, there was a question brand. over here. I think, yeah. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. um, you said you spent some time at ProPublica. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how long you were there, and. When you went to MS, MSNBC, how long you'd been there, and if you could um, tell me what it was about each one that mm -hmm. drew you. Sure. Um, I was the first reporter they hired at ProPublica, um, so uh, I went in 2008 uh, in the spring, 
and um, uh, I had a great time there and I'm very proud of, of the work that I did. Actually, the last project I did was a, was a finalist for the Goldsmith on, on presidential pardons. Um, and I went to MSNBC exactly a year ago. And we launched the site. We just launched our. Uh, we just launched the site in October. So it's so you were involved in launching it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And just a follow up. Um, is your job what you thought it would be, or how is it different? <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I'll, I'll just kind of t nod over there to Marilee. So I had. Um, I went through the, I think, what a lot of reporters who become editors go through. I went through the, the existential crisis of how am I going to give up my byline and stop writing and not be a reporter anymore and, um, and become... these people as good as me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and become an editor. And, um, and I, I really love it. I, and I, I was actually telling Edie, I, I have never been so professionally exhilarated. It, it's, it's a really exciting, fun place to be. And um, I love what we're, what we're doing. I love the idea of developing deeper stories um, that become segments on air. Um, I love having a, a broadcast outlet for reporters. I mean, I come from newsrooms where it's a treat to get to go um, on television to promote your story, not, not for vanity aspects, although I'm sure there, there's lots of that, but mostly because you, as a reporter, you want to reach the largest audience that you can for your work. Um, you know, you want impact. You want your work to be promoted, and um, or 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 you feel as if you're kind of shouting shouting all alone in a room. And so, um, this is a wonderful opportunity for reporters to be able to promote their work um, almost every day, and really seek out a very big audience, much larger audience than than they would otherwise. Yeah, so I, I think it's great. Go ahead. But you only, uh, you have 10 main mm -hmm. stories that you follow during the day. So what do you do about business and finance? Um, we have this amazing thing called CNBC. <laughs> it is okay. so okay. fantastic. <laughs> um, actually, I look at the, I. Did you think it was so fantastic when you were ProPublica in the Washington Post? Mm -hmm. Yes. I am one of those people. I myself don't think I'm an I'm an all in kind of person. It's true. When I was at the AP, I believed in the AP. I was like a, an AP missionary. The AP was the greatest thing in the world. You could never rebuild it from scratch, um, and and it and it the, I I still believe that. And I when I was at the Washington Post, it was the greatest newspaper of all time, and no newspaper would ever be better. And I. Still believe it. Um, and when I went to ProPublica, nonprofit journalism was the greatest thing in the whole world. It was the solution. Nothing was going to be better. It was going to save journalism. Um, and at at MSNBC, what I was going to say, I, I I obviously love it. But um, one of the things that I often do in my mind, I think, just that newspaper mentality is I look at CNBC and. NBC and MSNBC, and I see sections of a newspaper. I mean, I see the financial section, the opinion section, the news section, I see the sports section. I, I, I'm constantly thinking about it in my mind. And um, we <coughs> run CNBC stories um, all the time. We choose the stories that we want um, that work for us. Um, you know, when uh, Silicon Valley is pushing on immigration reform, that's, that's a story for us. That's the story uh, that we want. Um, so I'm very selective, but I do feel like there are stories out there um, that matter to our audience that come from all the different parts of, of NBC. So that, that's what we do. I know the subjects, you're talking about choosing them according to the subject. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference in the journalism between an MSNBC story and an NBC story? There can be. Um, it depends on the story. Um, I think, again, for me, it's a little bit more about the target. Um, we're just covering things that they may not be as interested in. Um, they're covering things that we are not as interested in. I think before I came in, they had this fun, on the NBC side, their site had this, you know, very fun breaking news, like watch cars being hauled out of a sinkhole. Um, we're not going to do the cars in the sinkhole story. Like, I, I just don't think people are going to come to MSNBC looking for that story. They just don't associate it with the brand. That's just not something that they're they're coming to us for. 
Um, there's lots of things that we do the same. Well, would you, I mean, for instance, Ukraine is now such a huge story. MSNBC and NBC are both covering it, or is both NBC, you're both covering it, and you're covering it separately and together? Actually, this is a, this is a story um, where we come together completely because we share the same reporter, which is Andrea Mitchell, um, who is a reporter for Nightly News and has her own show on MSNBC. So for, for foreign news especially, um, I think there's, there's really excellent symmetry. Um, same with same with the Olympics. You know, we did a lot together. It was you know NBC um, carried the Olympics, and we did a lot of stories that were very similar. I would say probably on the MS side, we did a lot more stories in the run up to Sochi about gay rights in Russia, about uh, gay athletes. We probably did a lot more interviews than um, than they did. We focused a lot on that, um, probably much more than they did. And we didn't do a lot of stories, personal stories about American athletes, unless we saw a news peg for us that kind of fit into our wheelhouse. Do they want you to be mindful of how well financially MSNBC is doing? Uh, in what way? Well, we'd like to have a bigger audience and therefore we need to choose stories more carefully that will appeal to an audience that will bring us the hits that will, you know, so forth and so In other words, does that is that part of your responsibility as managing editor to be mindful of that? So um, one great thing about MS is that it's actually making money, which is really nice. Um, it's nice to be in a place like that. I think, um, yeah, I think I'm more aware. I would say as a managing editor, probably of the business side than I ever was. Um, my sense, having come from print and now being. Um, in broadcast is that broadcast is a place that has has never sort of shielded um, its its correspondents and its staff uh, from the business side and you know which is very different um, from the newspapers I always felt um, at newspapers that you were like the kids and the 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 uh, the kids in the family and the publisher was kind of shielding you like from the from the, the family <laughs> misfortunes um, and I think I have come to believe, and I say this, uh, I say this to Bart, who just still believes it's complete heresy when I hear she, him she say that. She is half of a of a very high powered media couple. Bart Gelman. I'm half here. Of, a, of a person of another person who's <laughs> high powered. I'm the high powered person. Uh, but the, the person that she's talking about is Bart Gelman, who was the who she told me just before we came in, uh, did not tell her about the Snowden story until the day before it appeared. <laughs> That's what's happening in our house. <laughs> so, full disclosure. So, um, but he he still thinks as somebody who who spent, you know, almost his entire career at the Washington Post that it's heresy the idea that that reporters would have any idea what's going on the going on on the business side. And I I, I have 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 been persuaded otherwise. I think that it's it, it hurt newsrooms to to make reporters all feel like they were public public servants or that everything was was a question of, of, of somebody else's philanthropy. Um, it is a business. Um, and I don't, you know, we're not, I don't think we're choosing stories uh, based on what's going to, what's going to sell. I mean, I care very much about having a good snappy headline that's going to get people to read it. Um, not for clicks, because um, I, I don't see that as, as a business model at the moment. Um, what I do see as our business model at, at MSNBC, um, and I do talk about this even even um, in in recruiting <coughs> reporters, um, you know, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post are working very hard, and others, Huffington Post, um, to get into video uh, because it's it's a great revenue model for for papers. That's where all the you know they're great broadcast ad dollars uh, to be had, and uh, much better than than digital ads for sure. Um, but for, for papers to do that, they are going to have to work very hard. It's, it's, that's a very expensive, hard, um, you know, hard climb uh, for a newspaper that has no experience really in, 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 in creating, you know, such high quality video. And it needs to be of the highest quality to get the best uh, broadcast ad dollars um, and to do it all without, without, just, without them destroying their own brand. Um, you know, and I know that they're... You know they are committed to doing it, but I think, you know, I look at MSNBC and I see, well, you, 
this is a place that knows how to create fantastic broadcast uh, broadcast reporting, and they now want to add what I think of as print. And to me, I think if everyone is, is going into the middle, this, this is a little bit of an, uh, an easier path. Um, so, but for us, you know, it's really about people watching video online. Um, that's where the ad sales are, is on the video. And, um, you know, and our site is designed to have an excellent video experience. And for people who read on tablets or on their phones, um, actually watching video, you know, on a laptop or on a tablet or on your phone is, is actually a pretty great experience. You know, this is an interesting question. I would think that it would be easier to learn how to make good video than it is easy to learn how to write well. <laughs> uh, well, you, you know, know what I mean. I, I mean, do, I, I do, and I think you know. Um, I would say video is just extremely expensive. Mm. It is so expensive. Um, you know, newspaper reporters. My whole career, I've always talked about there's, there's so much money in television. They've got so much money. Um, and it does cost a lot of money to be able to create something of that quality. It's getting less expensive, and technology is uh, is facilitating that. But it is still, it is you know, it is still not easy. And when you see a piece of video um, at at any you know any website, or you see you know the early attempts at the Post and the Times to create you know their own kind of TV shows online, I mean that that does not look like the nightly news I mean that is and a it makes no money and it makes no money right and because because it's not it's not high quality um, so why don't they hire people who know how to do it I think that, you know they are I mean I know that I know that the um, I know that both the Times and the Post um, you know are investing heavily I mean look at look at the Times I mean that they they brought in somebody from the BBC to run their paper um, you know I think I think they care a lot about it and and are trying to but for a newsroom of reporters, mm -hmm. creating good video is not what they're trained mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I blog with the Huffington Post. I've done 150 of them over the last several years. And a guy came to me and said, how can you as a former CIA officer become associated with the Huffington Post? Now my impression is the Huffington Post has recentered itself. At any rate, it appears to be it less marked politically on the left than the MSNBC, which leads me to question the relation between MSNBC and NBC. Is NBC tainted by this left image of MSNBC? Um, I think they, I, I don't think they feel like they are tainted. Um, there's a lot of, quite, a lot to unpack in what you just said, but I'm going to start with it, with the, with the, with the last thought. Um, I don't think they feel, I don't think they feel tainted at all. I think there's just enormous advantages. Um, I think frankly, for report, let's say, NBC reporters in, in Washington. Um, let's say you're a reporter who covers Congress. Um, if you're an ABC reporter who covers Congress, um, you have kind of nowhere to go on air all day. Um, and maybe what happened on the Hill today is of interest or on your beat, but is not going to make a 22-minute newscast at night. Um, and I think working at a place like NBC and having MS as an outlet for you to go on air for breaking news, I think is um, much better for, uh, for you, for your reporting, for source building. Um, I think MSNBC is incredibly lucky, actually, that NBC has such great reporters like uh, Pete Williams, if something happens at the Supreme Court or at the Justice Department or uh, you know, when there was the, the Boston bombing, to have somebody like that who can come on all day long and not wait um, for the evening newscast. So I, I don't think so. I think it's a great advantage um, almost all the time. It's great for bookings. It's great for interviews. It's great for Andrea Mitchell to offer John Kerry an interview in which he can sit down for half an hour on her show, and then it gets aired again um, in the evening for a whole new audience. Um, I think actually the, the network, as far as I can tell, um, uses it, I think, quite advantageously for everyone. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you a little bit on the, on the HuffPost being a little bit more centered, but I just think it's because I, and this is just m what I see reading as a, you know, as, a, as a reader, that they've moved a little bit away from being so close to the White House, to this White House and this administration. I think MSNBC is not... Um, you know, it's not about who the president is. I think it's it. They're sort of 
more about progressive politics and social change. Yes, Diane. Daphne, what's the um, competitive atmosphere like? Do the do the uh, TV producers try to come in and poach stories from you guys, or? I would be very happy if they poach. They're they're welcome to poach, and they, and they often do. And I think in in many ways for us, that's kind of the point. Um, we want to feel again like we have impact. If uh, if we do a package and our reporter uh, is part of the package or goes on air to talk about the story, great. Um, or if they just want to kind of rip off the idea and do it um, on air, that's great too. That's to me, it's just just as much broadcast. I, I want as much kind of synergy um, with the broadcast side um, as possible. But I think for us, it's just all about just producing great work. Okay, journalists tend to have kind of sharp elbows. So far, everyone's playing pretty nice. Yeah. 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 <coughs> Again, this is not quite. I think on the we want our competition to be external. <laughs> but it's really interesting to me. I just was reading this shortly before we, we came here. Uh, there is a we, our, we we have a fellow who is now in Ukraine. She left yesterday. Yeah. If she were here, this would be addressed to her. But there is a Russian television cable channel called RT, mm -hmm. which is broadcast in English, and one of the an American commentator or anchor or something, I'm not quite sure what she is, I mean, maybe she's just a, a reader, um, in her report just within the last 24 hours has made a blistering uh, critique of Russia's attitude and behavior in Ukraine mm -hmm. in a way that would make it, I mean, if, if, if the comparable thing happened on Fox News, I don't think there's any question that the person would lose their job, and she probably right. is going to. She sounds off-brand, yeah. Yeah, well, she's very <laughs> off-message, yeah. certainly off-message. <laughs> no, this, this is the vehicle, for the most part, for the Russian line on what's going on in Ukraine. But it struck me as a kind of, a, of, a, of an interesting issue of journalistic independence. She seemed to, you know, one, I guess, was indifferent to whether she got fired or not. Is this something you all are... Are you were you even aware of this, or is this something that uh, no, you've been following at all? No, but this but it it's immediately kind of reminiscent to me of what we saw in Cairo, right? Of um, the woman anchor who went on air and immediately lost her job um, because she was coming out against the regime. And so I I feel like we've seen more and more of that. Um, so this is like interesting. In the last year, Putin took over. One of the, it was either Some a network or a paper. Yeah. No, he's taken over the, he created this whole thing. It was the most independent one, and they yeah. were just out of jobs the next out day. Does anybody yeah. know no, anything about this except? Yeah. Yeah. I've been interviewed by RT. Uh, you were? Yes, and they seem to be very Americanized. They're mm -hmm. Americans who. But it's the official Russian voice in America. Yeah, I heard her. I heard her. She sounds totally American. They, well, she is they American. Ran, yeah, they ran it, and it was, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. Have you seen her since? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good story. Good. Yeah, it's a her great one. Her complexion is starting to get, get a little carbuncle back then. That's right? <laughs> a great yes. one. So going back to the beginning, uh, when you described the split off between you know, the NBC News mm -hmm. and MSNBC, mm -hmm. um, you, you then described sort of an odd split of responsibilities insofar as you have NBC News, which is fronting the three daily, weekly shows, mm -hmm. and yet has the fast twitch responsibility online for 7 by 24 News, whereas you are aligned with the 24-hour news channel, and, and yet have the luxury of doing 10 story, focusing mm -hmm. on 10 stories, presenting 10 mm -hmm. stories, in fact, working on mm -hmm. more, and maybe with an aim towards more patience. So the two questions are, so, and, and these are separate newsrooms, or do you have, we have common, separate newsrooms. common pools? Yeah, and, we and, sit. And, how is, this, and, and yeah. Is, is this a sensible alignment, or is it? <laughs> uh, we think so. Um, yeah. You know, I think it, it, it has a lot to do with sort of just the, the, the feel of both places. I think, um, let, let me frame it to you in a different way. Um, if you're NBCNews.com and you only have three shows, and one of them yeah. is only on Sundays, yeah. right? So you're, you're, you've got reporters and correspondents and producers, you know, you've got an, uh, you know, an enormous um, news gathering operation, and that, that, that's working all day. So the website is a wonderful outlet for all the news that they're working on, uh, for correspondents you know, everywhere all over the world, which NBC still has. 
uh, which is you know to their great good fortune and, and ours as well. Um, for us, we have um, seventeen shows, uh, you know, throughout you know an ent an entire week, including including the weekend shows. Um, I think it's I think it's seventeen now, maybe eighteen. And we just changed the lineup, as you know. Um, so we have uh, we have lots of shows. Um, each show has you know has uh, you know the you know the talent of the of of the of the anchor and the contributors who have you know who offer a unique voice and perspective on on each subject area. But um, I think on on the network also you know they're often doing the same stories throughout the day. You know the stories again that I think are really connected to you know to what MSNBC is all about. So I think it, it that's where the difference is. Is that, is that little, more yeah, clarifying? I, yeah, it, it's just interesting how these things sh shift and flow into each other. Mm -hmm. But but still, your um, your job is not necessarily to highlight the work of the shows. Your job, your, your news, your your newsroom's job is the stories that you work. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The reporters who work for both NBC and MSNBC do they write their stories differently when they're reporting for MSNBC? No, we don't have um, any writers who work for both. Um, there are some um, some correspondents. You know, Chuck Todd has uh, a show on MSNBC and is also the White House correspondent for NBC News. Um, you know, Andrea Mitchell has a show on MSNBC and is the you know the chief diplomatic correspondent for NBC News. So there there is some of that overlap. Tamron Hall, I don't know if you know who she is. She has a, a daytime show on MSNBC and is also um, on the Today Show. Uh, you know, and so there's a f there's a few people like that, um, and they don't do different work. Um, you know, I might ask Andrea. Um, I think you know when Margaret Thatcher died. You know, I asked her if she would write a piece about you know her, you know her memories covering covering Margaret Thatcher, um, and and she did. She wrote a beautiful piece, and I I don't remember if NBC if the NBC News side ran it, but you know we asked her to do it, and you know they certainly could have. Yeah. One of the things we haven't discussed is Bloomberg, mm -hmm. which is one of the you know, genuinely well-funded, aggressive, mm -hmm. ambitious, both a website and uh, yeah, you know yeah. a very ambitious agenda mm -hmm. for doing both business and political news. Where do you see them in this now? I, I'm extremely impressed with a lot of what Bloomberg News produces. Um, they are very ambitious, very well funded. Um, I feel like they started off as the scrappy, you know, incredibly hardworking financial news agency, and have exploded into this into this great place. Um, you know, I had I had probably I had concerns like others did about um, what sounds like some some reporting out of China that maybe didn't uh, didn't work out the way uh, some of the reporters had hoped it would. Um, that that you know I thought raised some some red flags for Bloomberg, but I, um, you know I th I think they do they do great work, and they're certainly um, you know they were certainly early in on developing excellent digital strategies and and terrific reporting online. And where do they stand in terms of of, of traffic compared to MSNBC.com? Um, I'm not sure where they stand. In comparison, they are obviously niche. I mean, uh, you know, people who, uh, you know, who can pay for uh, for Bloomberg News or Bloomberg portals, um, you well, know, that's are a somewhat different thing. Yeah, that, that these machines. I don't mean just the machines. No, I know, but I but I do feel like they are um, servicing, you know, a specific audience that may not be, you know, as as wide, although I, I agree with you, they they are ambitious for a larger audience. But I think, like MSNBC, they have a bit of a niche audience. Um, like CNBC, they have a bit of a niche audience. Well, they have a niche audience, but they don't have the the prominence that they feel like their good journalism should. They get. don't have that. They're not picked up. That is correct. And they really hate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, for one thing, having been at Bloomberg, that they they were very <laughs> they were very slow out of the box to understand that people didn't want to look at little orange letters mm -hmm. on a big. Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything about making the website, mm. uh, which was the consumer-facing website, something you'd want to look at for more than two seconds. Now I haven't been back there a while. Maybe they finally redesigned it, mm -hmm. but it used to just 
be line after line of orange type on a black background. And Sounds they wonder great. why they don't get into <laughs> traffic. Yes, sir, back here. Yeah, I was thinking that one of the most exciting things about ProPublica is the digital journalism and the interactive mm -hmm. use applications and really the sort of real full embrace of this digital world. Mm -hmm. Is that something we're going to see more of on yeah, I think also my favorite part of ProPublica too has been the the interactive news applications. I think that's where they they just stand out. I, the, the smartest thing they did um, was was build a nerd pod, and that nerd pod is is what is honestly the the, the one the thing that makes ProPublica unique. What's a nerd um, pod? Uh, <laughs> their nerd pod are um, data journalists coders who build uh, news interactives. And I think that, um, I think that uh, we are in a place technologically that allowing people to interact with data um, for our crowd, you know, in a political and polling data, but also tracking social change um, is exciting and fun. And um, we have a great graphics team and we're just moving now into um, developing our interactives. Um, mostly to do with the political calendar. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that's the wave of the future. And I think also, um, you know, the New York Times has just been stellar on its interactive graphics, um, better than anyone. I think um, I think every other news organization is going to have to climb hard and, and, and far to stand on their shoulders. It's not going to be easy to get there. Um, They've just done terrific work, and I, I, I think it makes all the difference for, for readers and advertisers like it, too. Can I go back to a question that, that, uh, that Lee asked about your audience? Is it young? Is it middle-aged? Is it old? Is it uh, white? Is it, uh, you know, what, what can you tell us about it? Um, MSNBC has the most diverse audience for, um, for news viewership, <coughs> um, with a huge African-American audience. Um, larger than any of our competitors. Um, we have a we have a young audience, um, and we have, you know, a, a predominantly older audience as as uh, most broadcasters do. Um, and I think our you know our audience <coughs> online, frankly, mirrors closely our our audience on broadcast. Um, but it's growing into a, in a into an audience of much younger people that I hope is, is also coming to the is also coming to the broadcast side. And do you do you get people who are fundamentally sympathetic with MSNBC's political agenda, or do you get people who are hostile to it, who just want to treat you like a hair shirt? Or I mean, how 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 does that break down? Um, so um, it just depends on the comments each day. I mean, sometimes the comments are all people who are, as you say, who are out, uh, out, out for the other side. But I think in general, I think, yeah, I think it is, pe I think that people who would come looking for MSNBC, um, I think are definitely people who are, who are fans and audience members of the show. Since we launched, um, if you watch MSNBC on air, it says msnbc.com all the time, constantly. That's what that's what the logo now looks like. So I think people are, um, you know, coming to the site because they are watching the shows, and the shows are always talking about how, you know, for more on this issue, or you know, if you want to read this reporter's story, um, you know, you can go to msnbc.com and find it. Before, yeah, we'll get one more question. Yes. Just to follow up about your audience. Um, so you would mentioned that your audience rewards you for your patience, and I'd love to hear more about that, and especially if there are generalizable lessons from that, that in a world of digital speed and quantity, that maybe we can start. I just feel like sometimes we're in I think that's a good, no, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. So, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Okay. So I'm just wondering if there are lessons too. that we've yeah. learned, or if you're feeling a very unique audience. I think that's a that's a good way to wrap up. I'm, I do think in some ways it is a little bit of a unique audience, but I do think that readers reward you for staying on a story and developing it and for turning it into something else and for helping them get get further ahead in in uh, learning more about a subject. I, I really do. I, I just think it's it's valuable, and I think coming at a story from as many angles as you can and staying committed to something I think is invaluable. And while like. It, 
you know, I think everyone wants instant gratification. Um, I always thought that was the difference between myself and photographers. We always got instant gratification, right? Um, and I, I think people want it, and I think they're just it, reporting is is a little bit different. And I think, um, you know, we were talking about looking back at um, some of the some of the winners and finalists of, of of the Goldsmith Prizes, and how you know years later their stories are still are still um, reaping dividends. Are still you know great great things are still coming out of that. That was that was my experience on the on the Pardons Project, um, where. <laughs> Not that much had happened very quickly after the series first uh, first came out, um, but somebody I profiled in the series, you know, the, the president just released him from prison, um, and who was a central character, um, and you know, a after the story came out, and actually after the Goldsmith, um, you know, the the Justice Department Inspector General did a huge did a sort of a separate like investigation of my investigation. Um, and you know, confirmed all the findings, and um, and and the president let this guy out of jail, which is like fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, this guy needs to be out of jail. It was just the driver. I'd like to close on on a slightly different note because this is something that made me, as I told Daphne, that made me think so highly of her. <clears throat> before we, but we were talking before we came in. I said, why do you think? in the wake of all that's happening in Ukraine, the stock market has gone shooting yeah. straight up. What did you say? I said, do U.S. companies can sell oil and gas now to Europe? That deep cynicism inspires me. <laughs> 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 what was the line again? <laughs> I said, you, you could send, I said, the U.S. can now sell oil and gas to Europe <laughs> instead of Russia. <laughs> I have to thank you for coming. Pleasure. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>